0: Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly and neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. We are pleased to announce our podcast is a member of the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You may find Leaders and Legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting? Let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle and me at leadersandlegends.net. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast today. Our guest is Nikki Kelly. She's well known to many of you, but she has a new gig as editor-in-chief of Indiana Capital Chronicle, part of a nationwide news organization. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about her career, the Cincinnati Bengals, because she became a local celebrity as the Bengals were marching to the Super Bowl, asked Governor Holcomb, and we are joined today by State House Reporter Emeritus of WISH-TV, Jim Shella. Jim, Nikki, thank you both very much.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, uh, Thank you, Robert. Nikki, great to see you again.
1: Good to see you. Um, let's talk about your new venture first, because this is something uh, that I find quite exciting. Um, it, it, it's uh, new and different, not just for you. Uh, it will be also for news consumers. Um tell me tell me first of all about state's newsroom the 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 umbrella organization
2: yeah it's a national nonprofit that started out in north carolina and they they said look we and and you know this from being at the statehouse long ago back in the day every newspaper had their own reporter here and you know we had large groups of people covering everything that happens in that building on you know all three branches of government but as newspapers have struggled and just staffing has gone down for lots of media entities we have fewer and fewer reporters covering the capitol so states newsroom wanted to come up with a way to fill those gaps so they've been expanding slowly into states, we will be the twenty eighth state that they launch in uh, here at the end of the month, and so the idea is they use national donors, local donors, anyone who wants to give. It's a nonprofit, and 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 fund this so that we can provide coverage to all Hoosiers for free, and also we have a what's called a Creative so Commons. No,
1: no subscription.
2: Correct. You can subscribe to our newsletter, which will come to you daily, where you can see the biggest items of the day or you can just mark our website and check you know throughout the day um and we'll have a strong social media there's no subscription but then again you can donate if you like what you're eating um and then basically uh, we have a creative commons license which means any newspaper in the state, any TV station, any radio station can use our stuff for free and republish so that we they can to get... Give
1: you, they have to give you credit.
2: Correct. I mean, yes, we get credit. But um, the idea being some of these outlets that need help and, and want to cover this but just can't afford to can can rely on our coverage.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the need for that because I can tell you that um, back in the the late 80s early 90s there would be something north of 40 credentialed reporters covering the general assembly uh here in indiana uh and i think the the number of credentials may be high but the number number of reporters over there on a daily basis is single digits most days, correct?
2: Most days, yeah. I mean, during session, it's a little different. But you got to remember, our state government is doing things that impact your lives every day, not just during session. So that's one of the things is that we can obviously cover some state agencies, some overall policies a little better. Uh, Yeah, I mean... At maybe 20 during session are covering it and even for instance you know back when you were there or you know I remember Kevin Rader obviously at WTHR you guys were in that building every day covering those sessions and even nowadays it's more kind of parachuting in doing the occasional flashy bill it's not sort of sustained coverage
1: a different kind of coverage and, and less comprehensive um so uh I mean, this is kind of the future uh, of the news business in some ways, isn't
2: Well, it? I mean, it's certainly an idea and a venture that some places are trying is, you know, let's try to figure out ways. Obviously, the newspaper structure has struggled. You know, we started out giving everything for free online and then we realized, oh, crap, we're giving everything for free online and we lost subscribers. So, you know, I think all journalism is struggling a little and we're trying to figure out ways to reach more people. In, you know, in a good way.
1: And yet you're talking about giving it away for free online. I
2: know, right?
1: Um, how, but how supported is it? How by is it?
2: donors. Um, so, I mean, just like, for instance, PBS or, you know, WFYI or, you know, something like that. So,
1: And, and your outlet is going to be uh, a website, yep. online stories. Will there be audio and video? There
2: might be. Initially, we're going to just start with you know, the basics, but, uh, we've got some equipment that we can start doing some of that. I want to kind of slowly roll it out. We can obviously, well, without any equipment, we can post interviews we do with people. We can add them to story links. And so people can do that. So the video might be a little more, uh, trouble or a little more work we need to do, but we can do audio pretty quick.
1: Okay. So basically an online newspaper Mm -hmm. covering state government. Will you go beyond state government?
2: I mean, we'll focus on state government, state policies, you know, for instance, on housing or the economy or, or things like that. I'm sure if there was some sort of big state news that was grabbing attention, we'd be on it, whether it was particularly government related or not.
1: OK. And
2: it- and one other thing to add is we are definitely going to provide commentary from all sides. So, you know, I'm working with different columnists, including Robert Bain. Um, to- I was told
0: I didn't have to write about politics all the time. So <laughs> no. I said, yes, I'll take it.
2: So we're trying to, you know, learn from other people. And obviously me, who worked at the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette for 26 years, I'm trying to try to get some some voices in there that aren't just in central Indiana.
1: How big's your staff?
2: Uh, we have three reporters hired. And so it's three reporters and me, which frankly is the largest staff covering the statehouse. I mean, the star during session has two people kind of, you know, covering it on a daily basis. Now they have other reporters who might come in and cover, you know, Oh, this is a transportation bill. So their transportation reporter will come in that day kind of thing. Um, So yeah, we've hired uh, Whitney Downard, who's covered the state house for the last five years for CNHI, which is a a network of smaller Indiana newspapers. And then we hired Casey Smith, who has been at the associated press for several years covering the state house. And then we also got a great young reporter, Leslie Bonilla Muniz, um, from the Indianapolis Business Journal, she was covering city affairs.
1: Okay, so she covered government, if not state government, exactly. Um, you, you know, I always told people when I was covering the state house that, first of all, this this what goes on here affects everybody's life in the state of Indiana, six million people. Um, but secondly, uh, it. Uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of folks at home understand uh, how important news coverage is to what goes on.
2: Yeah, I mean, we get all caught up on the Washington stuff, right? And I'm not saying what they do there doesn't impact us. It does. But, you know, we should be looking more at the state level because, you know, everything from, I don't know, when your kid can get a driver's license to, you know, whether you're going to get a new refund from the government. I mean, there's they cover Every, Whether you
1: need a license to carry a gun. Right,
2: right. I mean, they cover every bit of everyone's life here in Indiana. And I, and I do wish people would pay more attention to state news, and hopefully this is an outlet for that.
1: Okay. how? I mean, you haven't, as we record this, you haven't yet launched.
2: Correct. We uh, will be announcing... Um, Right as this airs, and then uh, launching the end of the month, we're just deciding which day, dependent on a possible special session that the governor's calling.
0: And what's what's the website address?
2: Uh, you know what? Oh my god, I don't even know it yet. It's still being built as of right now. But will
0: it be Capital Chronicle? Yep,
2: IndianaCapitalChronicle dot com should get you there.
0: Okay. Okay. Um,
1: e- e- this uh this whole idea um it's a long-term project i'm sure is the plan do you expect that at some point you will require a subscription
2: uh not that i've been told that kind of goes against kind of the founding of of states newsroom as a whole uh they've you know been running since 2017 or after us they're launching arkansas so they've never pulled back on coverage in any of those states they've only grown it they also have a washington dc bureau so that if you know our senators or lawmakers make news we can you know get more direct stuff from them for indiana
1: okay Let's talk a little bit about you and your career and what brought you to this, because uh, uh, Robert mentioned it a, a little bit off the top. You're you're an Ohio native.
2: I am.
1: Went to Ohio University.
2: That's right. Bobcats. Athens, Ohio.
0: You and Peter King.
2: Yes, that is accurate. I have a funny story about Peter King sometime, I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> We're ready right now. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, no, he was there for some event, and I remember he was managing editor when he was at the post where i worked and i was managing editor so he and i had a big sit down but he was given a speech at ou and he brought in pizza and beer for the whole staff because you know us poor college kids so he was great to sit around and talk with talk with the young reporters
0: we're talking about peter king who wrote for years for sports illustrated and covered football or covers it as well or better than anyone sorry to interrupt jim that's
1: a, no no not a problem nfl writer um okay what what uh what brought you to indiana
2: You know, when I was in my senior year in college, I came to a job fair here in Indiana. I was at Ball State, and a group of us came over, and I got like four interviews out of that. Um, In the end, I I didn't get an immediate job out of that, but I got one in Steubenville, Ohio, at a small town paper called the Herald Star, and they were kind of also covered on the West Virginia Panhandle, and then the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne at three months emailed me and said, "Hey, we got a position," and I felt bad and thought that that was, you know, I couldn't leave real quickly. And at six months, they tried again. And at nine months, they tried again. And by that time, we were off a cops reporter into a bureau reporter. So I took it and and moved here uh, nine months after I graduated.
1: Did you start at the state house?
2: Nope, I started up in Fort Wayne, actually in a bureau in DeKalb County, I covered smaller counties doing a little bit of everything. And I'm glad I had that. Because you know, from being at the state house, we cover every single topic and issue you can come up with. So, you know, I had my years covering the school board and picking up cops' reports and local business openings and you know that kind of thing before I moved to into the main office to cover state and federal courts, and then ultimately down here.
1: And and I mean that required uh, a life change. I, yeah. you, right. I mean, you're, you're working for a four way newspaper. You got to live in Indianapolis now and. Yeah, I mean,
2: I was excited about it. I used to joke that I had the best job ever because I was always two hours away from any editor, uh, you know, and now I guess it's even better because I'm hours and hours away from my, you know, top
0: bosses. Time zones away. Yeah,
2: right. So um, I I loved moving down here. I covered one session on a sort of part-time basis to see if I liked it and then moved down here full-time.
1: How many sessions have you covered? Oh,
2: crap. It's like 23. I think it's twenty three, not counting special sessions.
0: Was Was Jim Shella nice to you when you were a young cub reporter here at the State House, or did he did he big time you? I
2: remember. I mean, he would tell funny jokes, and you could always hear his laugh down the hallway. That was the best part of being in the State (laughs) House basement. Was Jim's laugh?
1: I've been told that before. I believe it. you, You know, life's about having fun. Um, but you do, I mean, but she wouldn't necessarily,
0: I mean, and if you can't laugh at politicians, you know, that's what I say. I can get along with anyone who has a sense of humor. How you yeah. vote is immaterial. Do you have a sense of humor? Can you laugh? But and, did you, and as a
2: journalist, I say, I get along with anyone who turns my call, Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: no, <I'm> <laughs> but do you remember when Nikki came? I mean, you know, there were a lot more reporters then, but cause did, am I wrong? Sure. Did you take Leslie's? Mm-hmm. So Leslie Weidenbinner, who is now the editor of the IBJ, who we want to come on this podcast whenever she wants, you took that gig. You yeah,
2: t- because she moved to the Louisville Courier-Journal as their statehouse reporter.
0: Right. right. That's what I thought. Yeah.
1: No, I do remember. Um, and and uh, well, tell me about the Journal-Gazette, if you would, because I think there's a reason why you stayed there for 26 years. Sure.
2: I mean, it's the journal- a, it's
1: a, it, it's not like every other newspaper.
2: It's not, I mean, it's a family owned newspaper, which is pretty rare in these day and ages. You know, it's not, it doesn't belong to Gannett or to, you know, this or that, you know, subsidiary. It's a family owned paper up there. Um, so I always had a lot of support from the publisher and the editor and they were very loyal to me. They gave me a lot of freedom to build the beat uh, the way I wanted. And so I loved being there. I occasionally would think about leaving. Um But, you know, there aren't a terrible amount of opportunities down here. I was starting to feel toward the end of this that I maybe wanted to move into editing. I mean, there's only so many budget committees you can handle and so many of covering the same, you know, bills again and again where you want to try to stretch yourself and challenge yourself. And this came just out of nowhere and at a great time.
1: So are you going to be only editing now or will you do some reporting as well?
2: I will mostly be editing. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't pitch in if if something was needed, but I will mostly be editing, and I'll write a weekly editorial too.
1: Okay, you uh, while working for the Journal Gazette, um, and since uh, you've been very active on social media,
2: yeah, is yeah? Um, I went to some I don't know investigative. Conference years and years ago, where they talked about how great Twitter was, and I got on it thinking, "I'm going to hate Twitter," because to me it was just, you know, another thing as a reporter I had to do. And I didn't realize at the time what a great asset it is. I started live tweeting meetings. And, and it sounds like, well, well, I'm not taking notes, but you are. It's just a string of your tweets are your notes, you know, for the story. Um, that became a big deal. And also, I, I would say the mostly when COVID first hit was when Twitter really became this thing. So many people reaching out, needing help, wanting questions answered, um, it was humbling. And, you know, sometimes I would do it right in the middle of one of those COVID briefings, someone would text me and say, Can you please ask the governor this and I, would you know, toss it in there. So uh, I know Twitter has its downside, you know, from time to time, and I'm sure I've had a day or two where it wasn't great. But overall, I think it's been a it's been a joy getting to, you know, communicate with people. And I, and I hear more, you know, from more and more people how they follow what's going out at the Statehouse through my feed. And I will continue that
1: even with this. Oh, well, that was gonna be my next question. You uh you expect that you'll remain a presence on
2: I'm sure and I'm quite sure I'll be monitoring fun hearings and, and things like that while sitting at my new desk. I won't be in the basement of the state house anymore, but I'll still be following it.
1: In the in the you had, you had uh, for those who who don't know uh, the accommodations for reporters are uh, they're a lot better than they used to be back in back in the eighties we we were in plywood shacks uh, in the middle of the floor on on the third and fourth floors uh they've since really yeah they since uh, have moved the media to uh, cubicles in the basement uh, most of which don't have a ceiling. Um, and I know yours is very near the men's room.
2: Um, oh my God, it is! And I, I remember during COVID, I had to actually ask them to keep the door closed because all I could hear, like they were keeping it open, so people didn't have to touch the door, which I get. But all I would hear was flushing and talking, and that whole, the like jet like hand dryer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that was a treat. Although I can't tell you how many people stop by my shack after a visit to the bathroom just to chat. So I'll miss that.
1: Uh, And for what it's worth, uh, your new offices are on the eighth floor of the Indiana State Teachers Association building across the street. So you have not only great accommodations, you have a wonderful view of the State House.
2: I do. I'm pretty excited. Um, I, you know, this is the nicest office I've ever had. I've So I've been in bureaus or, you know, and I never said anything bad about our state house digs. They were great. They allowed you to be keep your, you know, keep on the pulse of everything. There was some occasional issues, some occasional bugs or spiders or, I mean, what was it? The brown brown spiders. Yeah. Uh, You know, but overall, I mean, I think everyone over there loves those. And we're still going to have, you know, an interim shack over there for our reporters when they're covering those late nights for the session and stuff.
1: So yeah, let's talk a little bit about being a government reporter, because uh, it, it, you, do you describe yourself, what, you, what you've what you been doing previously as a government reporter or a political reporter, or both? I,
2: I probably lean a little more toward government. I, obviously, politics is part of it, but policy has always been more my sort of thing. I'd more like to dig into things on, you know, how we're doing on our pensions or whatever. So obviously politics are part of it, but I prefer policy.
1: I used to give a, a fair number of speeches when I was working as a state house reporter, and I would start out with a series of quotes. One of which was from Peter uh, uh, Russell or was Russell Baker was the guy's name. Russell Baker. I was going to say Peter Restoven? I was no, I was thinking of Peter Baker, who's with the New York Times now. Uh, Russell Baker would he said that. Uh, Being a state house reporter, a state house reporter is someone who stands in marble hallways waiting for important people to lie to him. Would would you say that was a fair description?
2: No.
0: Well, I've talked to, forgive me, Nikki, I'm very sorry, but I'm just laughing because I've talked to you after a client of mine lied to you. And I remember your reaction. So just feel free to say as you please. I mean,
2: I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but certainly the majority of sources I deal with do not lie. Um, you know, and are good, upstanding people who are doing what they think is right. There's always the bad apples, right? In in every, whether you're a lawyer or a journalist or a lawmaker, you know. So, um, but overall, I think most of my sources have treated me pretty well.
0: How is it then, the between reporters, in the sense, or among reporters, where you're both friends and colleagues? competitors. I mean, you know, Leslie, we mentioned before is obviously a good friend of yours. We all, I think we all love Ed Feigenbaum, you know, and your, your, your friend here, Mr. Shella. I mean, you guys are somewhat competing against each other, but also somewhat helping each other. You know, if there's like a just in news service or something like that, that nobody likes, how do you, how do you guys, both of you, I guess this is a question to both of you. How do you navigate that dynamic where you're both on the same team yet being competitive? Well, if, if I
1: could just start with that, yeah. um, I was watching the PGA tournament uh, yesterday where one golfer is, is uh, uh, a stroke behind the leader, and the leader hits a great shot, and the guy who was behind looked at him and gave him a thumbs up. I mean, you're, you're all in the same thing. You're in the, in the same endeavor, and, and you kind of want everybody to do well. You just want to do better you 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 want to beat the other guy but but uh, sometimes it takes a team effort uh to chase down a story to to nail down a politician so it, it, there is a there there's a push pull there where you 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 are in competition but you're also working together
2: yeah, it's, it's, I mean, cheesily kind of like a family because, you know, we're all in that basement and we're all doing those late nights and we're all trying to understand this massive bub- budget document someone just gave us, you know, but there are times when you can tell that someone is working on a story. Suddenly their office door is closed. <laughs> their conversations are a little more muted in the hallway and you're like, Ooh, what are they working on? You know? So, um, but I, Obviously, I was at the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, so I had a specific coverage area, and I still covered state news, but I also had an eye toward northeast Indiana. So I've had, you know, fellow reporters, oftentimes you'll be sitting in a hearing, and you hear I don't know, something about a Fort Wayne thing put in a bill and they will immediately text me, hey, check this bill. Someone put something Fort Wayne related in it because Fort Wayne isn't there, you know, Baileywick. So we have a little bit of enough separation where you can still help people help each other out. You can still, you know, be collegial and still try to beat the person, you know. And there were times you mentioned, you know. I remember one time during the Religious Freedom Restoration Act when Mike Pence was signing that bill and they wouldn't tell us when or where. And we had people posted at every door, including there were national like CNN was in town, whatever. And we'd be like, because there are like eight or nine ways you can get in and out of that building. And we had people posted at every door. And he still slipped us, by the way.
0: You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. Our guest today is the editor-in-chief of the Indiana Capital Chronicle, part of the state's newsroom nonprofit organization. You can find her writing and that of her staff, which she's talked about, indianacapitalchronicle.com. We're talking with Nikki Kelly, co-hosted by her friend, our friend, and frequent co-host, Jim Schella. Nikki, is there a particular Hoosier Leader or legend you admire?
2: Wow. Um, you know it's oh wow. Admire. Looking back, you know, once you cover a number of governors, I'm on number five, I think. Um, I do. Uh, I do miss um, Mitch Daniels's time in the governor's office. It was always full of news. He was always available to answer questions and he you know was a person who knew all the details and you didn't didn't have to get back to you a lot he was very accessible that doesn't mean we always agreed we we certainly had some disagreements from time to time on stories but um i i do miss i missed his uh time in the office it was pretty cool to cover
1: mitch daniels would hold a friday news conference especially during the session where um, he, he, as governors do, he would have some opening remarks, but they weren't always very lengthy. Mm-hmm. And then he would take questions and, and would would essentially take all questions and sometimes be standing there for over an hour, uh, 70 minutes yeah. uh, on occasion. And there as a reporter you'd walk out of those sessions and say you know i'm holding on to four five six stories here which ones do i have the time to tell in in depth um yeah it was it was a different animal than than with most governors
2: yeah he was a lot more open on like a bill you know if oh they're working on a bill that does this he was a lot more open on it now you constantly just get well we'll wait till it gets to my desk and i'll review it you know and that's not very helpful to you know, educate Hoosiers on the topic.
0: Was it because he was so active and came to office, like, I'm going to shake up this state and we need to do it. And if we don't do it, we're going to fall further and further behind. So as a reporter, not a political point, but just as a reporter, it's like, look, we like to cover action.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean there was so much going on. At that point there had been 12 years I think of Democrat control and he came in and had so 16, many 16 yeah, 16 yeah. He had so many plans and there was never a dull moment under him. So yeah, some of it was just he had a a lot that he wanted to change.
0: And for for both of you maybe so much of what you write or put on TV requires access. How do you balance needing that access with calling someone and going, this isn't right. Like, or you're, you're punking me out here. or You're not giving me what I need. That's gotta be a bit of a delicate balancing act. Cause you can just kind of get froze out.
1: Well, I think it depends on who you're dealing with. I think the, the, the people who are good at it on the government side know that they're going to have contentious uh, experiences with reporters and, and can deal with it. Um, that, You know, like with everything, not everybody's good at it. So, so yeah, you gotta you gotta weigh whether you want to you want to risk losing a contact once in a while. But uh, I guess I would err on losing the contact side of things.
2: Yeah, I mean, some of it's pick your battles, right? You're not going to pick every tiny little thing. You're going to wait for you know the bigger stories that you really need.
0: Did you ever think? Did you ever say it a different way? Did you ever like? Well, I'm calling the chief of staff, or the next time I see the governor, I'm going to bring this up to him direct. I mean, did you feel like you had to go beyond someone to get what you wanted because it was that bad?
2: Sure. Sometimes a lot of times what, what happens there is if you're dealing with a state agency and you're just running into wall after wall, then you go to the governor's office and say, Hey, you know, I've been working on this for two weeks. They are just not responding, not being helpful. And so I've definitely had to do that. Lots. (laughs)
0: What was it when I was in the mayor's office, I would get those calls from like Mary Mills or whomever and say, "Hey, you know, agency X isn't giving me. And I'm like, "Okay." when I go down to whatever agency it is and say, so when Greg Ballard said he was running on the most and have the most open and transparent administration in Indianapolis history, did you miss that part? Let me remind you of it as we move on. Uh, But being from Fort Wayne, covering it from the Fort Wayne paper, did you feel in any way that you got... Slided is not the word I want to use, but that there was a lot of attention from politicos and elected officials on Indianapolis media and therefore once if they were made happy then everybody else was just kind of whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean that definitely happened from time to time. And especially, you know, once my paper got a paywall and people stopped being able to read it. It's it, you know, it just everyone was always asking for a copy of this or that. Um being an a sort of outstate reporter you know, you kind of learn to have a thick skin. I, there are a number of times over the years I would break stories. It would get hardly any attention. Two weeks later, the star would do kind of a follow up and they would they would advance it. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. but it would get all this big attention. And, you know, you're like, OK,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so there, that that does happen.
0: What's, go ahead.
1: I just want to talk about your TV career.
2: Oh, thanks to
1: you. (laughs) Well, thanks to you. (laughs) Jim's put us all on TV, hasn't he? (laughs) Well, but, you know, I was the host and producer of Indiana Weekend Review, and uh, I invited you to to come on uh, initially as a... As a substitute on the panel, you were reluctant in the beginning, correct?
2: Well, I mean, you know, journalists, I think, in general, aren't used to being, you know, in front of the camera. So I think I was a little reluctant in the beginning. You worry about what if I say something and that kind of thing. Once I did it a few times, you felt more comfortable. You also realized you get a lot of contacts that way, you know, you get a lot of people coming up and saying, Oh my gosh, I saw you on TV last night. Tell Ann not to, you know, or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, I was, I was a regular fill in for years for you. And then, um, finally got called up to the big leagues.
1: (laughs) Um, but it, 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 you know it's a, a weekly show appears on friday evening but it helped you every day is that what you're saying absolutely I, he said with the leading question uh, it did
2: help me every day now i mean as the now if obviously if you know the the show it's the the host and then a democrat and a republican so they obviously are very set and have opinions, and then it's two reporters. So, you know, you had to watch and be careful that I wasn't giving opinion, that I was focusing my comments on facts and sort of what happens next on an issue and not.
0: What I did when I was on there. Did Uh, I not, Jim?
1: I I think uh, uh, selective facts is what (laughs) I would say. (laughs) Selective (laughs) facts. But that's, I mean, the format is set up so that you get a, a little partisan, uh, dust up and then you have reporters try to sort through it and tell folks, uh,
0: what's what.
2: Yep. Tamp it down a little, clear some things up.
0: <laughs> well, has that changed? You know, Jim was a guest on the podcast it was well, I think maybe the second or third guest when the leaders and legends podcast started almost over more than three years ago now. And so you are as well placed. You started the state house. I think we said in 1999 to see how much things have changed. So how much have they changed or have they not?
2: I mean, t- on the technology side, everything's different. You know, with you, you went from writing a story that was due at the same time every day, and you know, was posted in the morning. Now, you know, you're constantly updating the web pages. you're constantly tweeting, you're constantly, you know, your your deadlines are like a rolling deadline for whenever something's done happening. So on that side of just simply how journalism has changed has been pretty massive. Now, inside the building, I would say, I mean, it's definitely a little more fractured in there amongst some of the caucuses. Uh, Back when I first started, there was a lot more sort of Going out, having fun, getting to know each other—there doesn't seem to be a lot of that anymore. It's everyone kind of goes back to their hotel room and that kind of thing. Um, so it's definitely not as as open of a place, I don't think anymore.
0: Is that is that been deleterious to the state? In other words, would we get better things done for the state if there was more collegiality? Because it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an opportunity cost. The more that Elected officials are working out deals and crafting legislation over at St. Elmo's, the less transparent it is. And so if you, you, we need to get more things done and I always kind of laugh, I'm like, well, then you want the smoke filled room to return, don't you? And they're Like, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, that's kind of how well, I mean, that's all
2: done. dependent on your perspective. I mean, if, if you're coming at it from a liberal side, you're going to say, yeah, we need more camaraderie more compromise more bipartisanship you know if you're coming from a republican side you're like it's great it's working great we have super majorities and it's fantastic
0: what would you say and we're going to talk about refer in a minute much to my consternation <laughs> even though i will say that my my lovely friend jim shella did call me after the stephanoffels interview just to make sure i was okay <laughs> called me that sunday it was
2: a rough morning
0: yeah along um, with are you well, doing, you, along well with, here's the deal here was the call are you doing okay uh, well, I still have to interview tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Like, he wasn't going to let me off the hook just because I was, you know. Well, he checked out-
2: first. <laughs>
0: he did. He Here's checked a first. fun fact for you. It, it, the, the remote studio
1: where Mike Pence did the Stephanopoulos interview uh, is in a, a an office building here downtown. Um, I was in that same chair in that same studio two hours previous. I was live on MSNBC. Nobody remembered
0: that i was on tv (laughs) shocking is that the biggest story the two of you covered in terms Uh, of national in terms
2: of national implications absolutely um in terms of just more toward the state i would say when governor o'bannon died in office that was
0: you know that was a
2: whole nother level of things you can't imagine that you're doing and you're trying to focus on everything and on the news and not have a an emotional reaction to a person who is you know for all intents and purposes a colleague who you run into the hallway and they ask you how your cat is and you know things like that and so you're trying to do all the the journalism you need to but also not I don't know not have some sort of emotional reaction and it's hard to kind of tell your body not to do that
1: yeah i i mean I was in New Orleans when Dan quayle was picked to be george bush's running mate um uh
0: that would be september probably
1: eighty eight yeah I hate to rank stories on what was most important what what wasn't um uh that was it's, it's fair to say that that rifra was combined big. with social media it was big um yeah, and I mean, always remember that we were about to host a Final Four here, and that was a big impetus to the controversy, was the NCAA was was threatening to, to take the Final Four away at the last minute.
2: Yeah, and I remember there was some discussion after, kind of after, like post-mortem on RIFRA here in Indiana, that slightly... Um, kind of criticize the news media for how did it kind of get that far? And it's like, wait a minute, we've been writing about it since January, people. We've been talking about it since January. But it sort of all exploded the week they finally passed it.
0: Well, I could say, I think the statute, seven years, right? So I think it'd be right at seven years. Statute of limitations has ended on this. But the poll that I saw in late spring, early summer as part of the Pence campaign had his approval rating drop considerably from what it was in the early winter. Number one reason who's to blame for rifra the news media, despite the fact that, that then governor Pence's approval rating had dropped. So how do you square that circle?
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's always a, a tendency to shoot the messenger. Exactly.
0: Um, Is it know. more pervasive of when it's Republicans? Cause you know, my people aren't exactly enamored with the national news media these no, days. It, I the think, local media here sometimes. Well, you know, if you
1: go back um to to the to the 90s even, the early days of talk radio. Uh you could go on the Indiana GOP website and they would have instructions there. Uh, for people on how to call in to to talk radio and how to how to deal with the media and I think that that uh there um there has for decades been this belief among republicans th- that there is a, a liberal slant to to the people who work in in the media um and they they paint it with a broad brush and they have always done it and um you know it's not it's not fair it's not right but uh what are you going to do you can go to work and do your job
2: yeah you can- um i'm trying to think going back then I mean it, yeah like like Jim said it's easy to shoot the messenger uh, I think obviously the things we were pointing out in the various stories and articles and TV segments obviously got through because let's remember it's the lawmakers who decided to fix the law not us we can't do that on our own
0: so we talked to speaker bosma about that when he came on the podcast Mm -hmm. you know
2: i think mike pence wanted to make it seem like we were blowing it out of proportion and then once he went on stephanopoulos obviously as we know i mean it just any chance that they had of salvaging that went so well,
1: if well hold- then he then he held a news conference over at the state library. Oh yeah, that was attended by by most of the national media. Where and Greg Louganis and,
0: and actually Greg-
2: he got kicked out. He and his dog got kicked out. Yeah,
0: he, he, um, this was this was an official news conference, not a political one. Therefore, I wasn't involved. Just yeah. can we have that disclaimer spangle? Yeah. It you was Make official. sure that's in there.
1: Yes, and uh, Greg Louganis was in town for some other purpose,
2: and he just showed up. And they told him he couldn't stay because he wasn't a reporter. He came over to the house and watched it with Bosma in his office.
1: Yeah. Um, but it, and, and during that news conference, Mike Pence said a couple of things that, that only fanned the controversy. Uh, to say that they didn't handle that well is a, a, a vast understatement.
0: So if I had told you on that day, the three of us are walking, even though I wasn't there, the three of us are walking back to the parking lot. And I go, you know what, Jim? Nikki, here's the deal. I'll bet you a dollar that Mike Pence is going to be the next vice president of the United States serving under Donald J. Trump, you would have said in the interview that I did on MSNBC on the morning,
1: of the Stephanopoulos interview, I was asked if Mike Pence's motivation was a desire to run for president. And I said, uh, that ship has sailed. Uh, he's
2: at that point. We weren't even sure he could be reelected governor. Right. Well, that's, mean, that's right. How that's how quickly right. It went downhill.
1: Right. So, and, and I don't think anybody had, had, contemplated him being vice president
2: including himself probably right I mean it was it was a crazy I I would have taken like a thousand dollar bet from you <laughs> easy
0: <laughs> and does that just prove as the saying goes that you know a day is a lifetime in politics have you seen anything else Nikki in your career change so quickly
2: no no a
0: person's fate I mean you know is his living fate obviously
2: yeah no I mean that that moves so fast, and you know, having to pull himself off the ballot, become you know tapped for VP, and then I, you know, I would love to know if he actually ever thought they would win. You know, that that would be like I can
1: help you with that. Do you? Well, I retired uh, the week of the 2016 election. I uh, wish TV threw a threw a reception for me on Friday, and the governor uh, Governor Pence was invited to be there and had accepted. Um, he was not planning on being elected vice president on Tuesday. Um, and they, they, his office sent a, a Sagamore of the Wabash uh,
0: with my name on it, but there was nobody there to present it. They didn't have a plan B. Were you surprised that he was chosen as vice president? Forget that he won, because I think we could all concede that that was an upset of historic right. proportions, probably the greatest in American history, against a candidate who should have won, could have won. Hillary, we're not talking about... Reagan in 84, winning 525 electoral votes. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mike Pence and Donald Trump are are an odd couple.
2: To say the least.
0: And so as it was happening as journalists, what do you... because I was going to next question oh, I'm going to ask you every about. night
2: and talk to my husband about how surreal everything was. We'd be camped out at the Conrad because do you remember when the Pence plane or no Trump's plane broke down? And so he had to stay there. And so then suddenly Newt Greenwich is coming into town and they're all going to the Conrad to try to like try to win the VP nod. I mean, it was insane. I couldn't have believed anything like that would happen. And fun. It was super fun.
0: From a journalist perspective. How disappointed were you that Mitch Daniels did not run for president in 12?
2: I mean, yeah, strictly from a journalism perspective, it it would have been fun to cover because, you know, we I'd covered him for eight years. I had a lot of background, a lot of information, I think, that could have helped uh, readers. and, And so, yeah, that would have been super fun.
1: Well, my perspective on that is a little different. I, uh, I broke the story that he was going to Purdue, so uh, you know while everybody else is is spending lots of time uh, trying to 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 figure out how and when they can do the story that he's going to run for president, I actually, uh, made, with some help, you, you know, found my way to the story that that was his next move. So uh, that was a good day for me. You and Mister Osterley, they're you're close, aren't you? Um, well, he, we know each other. Um,
0: he, he's, I'm not giving him up. <laughs> not, we're not accusing you, Bill. That's all we're saying. Uh-huh. And of course
2: the Indianapolis star broke the, he's not running for president story.
0: Because, um, because it was walked to the newsroom
2: exactly uh,
1: by a couple of his people on I Saturday still, night. I still
2: remember being a little bitter that there was a discussion about how, there was some sort of national story that came out, like how the star got this scoop. And it and it said, well, they asked for it. And I was like, oh, my God, you don't think every single one of us asked for that scoop? <laughs> Give yeah. me a break. But you people are the only ones who had, you know, could take them out to a steak dinner and I come up that, with a deal. I,
0: I had to go on Channel 6 that day wearing my green My Man Mitch shirt. So, yeah, I remember it was a Sunday. You guys talked a little bit earlier about the dearth of state house reporters. Do you have a theory as to why is it straight up economics or what do you think is driving this? Because, I mean, even in the time I left the mayor's office in 2010, we're recording this on June of 2022. I think there are maybe three or four Indianapolis reporters who are still around when I was there. That was just 11 years ago. What's what's driving this this change, which is obvious and has created the news, the need for the state's newsroom approach.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think most of it is economic. There's probably, you know, a little bit I, we we hate to talk about clicks, right? But when you look at the metrics, you can't get past the fact that what people say they want and what they click on are different things. And so, you know, they'll say, "Why why don't we have good news? Why are we always covering crime?" And yet, you do a good story next to a crime story, and which one gets opened a thousand more times, you know? So, um in the end, that's that's economic too, right?
1: The internet has changed everything, and and uh, media outlets, whether they're newspapers or TV stations or radio stations, were all slow to adapt to the change. And um, I've seen statistics on this, and I can't quote them at the moment, but but a lot of the advertising has gone. Uh, to websites and facebook and and you know the what was uh an ad in a newspaper or on a tv station is now appearing someplace else and so salaries have gone down uh staff sizes have gone down it's economics are are a, the biggest factor but there are other factors um i think that that people don't realize the importance uh, of government news from the state and local level um and back to the clicks uh the folks running newsrooms uh aren't willing to to send somebody out on a story no matter how important if the viewers don't watch it if 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 they don't click on it and
0: so that changes the focus of coverage did you ever want to cover something else like Go back to crime or sports or something Uh, else or become an opinion writer? I I do love
2: sports, but, uh, no, I mean, I love covering, uh, courts. So I used to love that up in Fort Wayne and I still loved covering the Indiana Supreme court. And I like digging into an opinion and, and making people understand it. That's sort of, I think the other one that I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, And not me. I, once I became a, a state house and political reporter, I can tell you that, uh, I, I was not going to go to something else. Uh, and and I guess this is a question I wanted to ask you, Nikki, because uh, it's my contention. Uh, most reporters, you know, you might cover a trial that lasts a week or two weeks, um, but most reporters are doing daily stories. It's something that happened today. Maybe there's some, some background that you've learned from covering the, the issue in the past. But being a statehouse reporter is, is i think far more difficult because you have to know a range of issues you have to know the history on every issue i mean it's it's uh there there's a, a lot of institutional knowledge that's required with regard to players and 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 attitudes and uh and yet it's it's fun explain that can you
2: yeah, I mean you get to know you your experts on like little mini experts on so many different topics since there's no topic that the state doesn't interact with for you know, for citizens. So that's super fun. I one one thing I loved about covering the state house and I will miss is never knowing when you go into a hearing, like you'll sit there for one bill and suddenly another bill will come up and you'll be like I absolutely did not know that law existed, you know, and suddenly you're learning something. And that was cool that I never felt like I stopped learning in that job. There was always something new, always something fresh to cover.
0: How did you handle people who just didn't want to talk to you?
2: Uh, I mean, you know. And
0: by that, I mean kind of elected officials more than anyone else, obviously, because some people aren't ever going to talk to you because they're told, you'll have to call the press person. I'm not allowed to speak to you.
2: Yeah, I mean have had that occasionally over the time you just sort of try to focus them a lot of what I got um, the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette had a, a very liberal editorial page and so I was often painted with that and they'd say well I don't like the Journal Gazette you're liberal and I'd say okay well let's talk about that you know I'm the reporter who's doing the basic news stories and try to separate that so that they could feel like they would trust me and I would point out you know talk to some of your your colleagues and ask them if I can be trusted and so I just sort of try to try to push through it
0: did you feel like you had your own sort of and we do like karen by the way uh, karen francisco yep. what a sweetheart so fun to work with on everything even when i was at the state republican party she never treated you know she was always like yeah sure send it in did you feel like you're the the folks who were representing fort wayne in the house and senate kind of like had your back in a way like hey we're i know we're on output we're on different parts of this prism, but we're from the same area. We want great things for Fort Wayne. How can we be helpful?
2: Yeah, I would say on 95% of the things, absolutely. There were occasional issues that there were some bunny heads on and, you know, they wanted a bill to maybe fly through under the radar. So it didn't get attention. Um, (laughs) That happened on occasion. But overall, I'd say, yeah, it was it was pretty collegial. More and more, though, in the past recent years, you know, I when you do election profiles and things like that, more and more since Donald Trump was elected president, to be honest, people just refuse to even speak to you about basics like, you know, where'd you go to school? Why are you running? You know, what are the key issues that are important to you? They just absolutely refuse. And so that's been a little different to get used to.
1: Donald Trump has changed the nature of political discourse in this country uh, on a number of levels. And the fact that he, he labeled the, the media as enemy of the people uh, is not helpful, I don't think, uh, for anybody. It certainly it made our jobs tougher, but, but I think it, it denies the public information they need when, when people are unwilling to talk to reporters and think it's okay. And uh, I, I think, you know.
0: So not to be a snot but he's going to gonna m- be a snot. Referring to myself. Yes. I don't agree with that characterization at all. That, what, the enemy of the people characterization. So yeah. I agree with you on that. And we don't do big P politics on the Leaders and Legends podcast because we love everyone. But is there nothing to be said for how the Washington, D.C. media frames and covers stories and the language they use? The recent example being the well, complete again, the complete burying of the armed man outside Kavanaugh's house, which in some major how'd you organizations, find out about that? How'd you find out about which that? in some major organizations did not get covered at all? Well, because the internet has widened the definition of media for good well, or for ill, but the idea that that an armed Potential intruder outside a Supreme Court justice's house should get no mentions at all on multiple outlets for days seems to fuel the Republican angst against Robert. Just D.C. media, not Indiana. Robert. Put down that big brush. That, uh, that, yeah. yeah, I mean that's what that was a specific example. Yeah, that's
1: well, what no, about. but you you heard about it. I saw lots of coverage on it. Um, it, it it's one of those stories, unfortunately that there's not a lot to report i mean after you report that the guy's there and he's been arrested and and here's why he was arrested there's there's and it get you know like it, it got covered up by the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. I do believe, you know, the the media tends to focus on on bigger stories. Just ask Dick Luger about announcing for president <laughs> on the, day of the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, so ninety five. Yeah, he didn't get much coverage either, and that had nothing to do with anybody's political viewpoint. It's it's just the nature of the media. Um, but there, you know, there are not. There's. One of the problems we have with the media, and and this is a problem that the media has created, I believe, is, is we have these cable news channels yeah. that have a point of view. And, you know, MSNBC is clearly uh, on the left-hand side. Fox News is on the right-hand side. And it, they do these programs that are supposed to be straight news, Uh, And then they do other programs that are opinion and they look the same and yeah, and they're they're not labeled opinion.
2: And it's all commentators
1: and not journalists. It really
2: skews, skews everyone's perspective. And that's what you
1: ran into a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And people, I mean, you can't tell the difference. It's none of it is labeled, you know, in a newspaper, at least it says opinion on the top of the opinion page. So you know that that's opinion and the other is news. Um, And um, it's it's all done on purpose because uh, folks are trying to who run these cable channels are trying to 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 find their base and and play to their base. But it's long term for the benefit of the republic and and for the benefit of uh, uh, straightforward media. It is not helpful
0: you mentioned a few minutes ago Nikki that you will be writing an editorial every I will
2: that'll be very different I'm not sure how I feel about it I mean I just think I'll be they'll be kind of tame at first until I get used to actually inserting myself because I've spent 30 years writing in a way that what I feel isn't part of what I'm writing so that'll that'll be a new challenge for me
0: and that'll be issue-based editorials Mm -hmm. or hey this piece of legislation kind of thing
2: yeah just whatever is kind of Catching my eye that week, probably
0: candidate endorsements.
2: Hi, you know what? Question
0: right out of my mouth. Nice, right.
2: nice. Mm-hmm. You know what? I honestly haven't even thought about candidate endorsements. That's something I'm going to have to think about. Um, I'm gonna. I think my initial answer is no. A, because I'm not sure anyone pays attention to them. B, I can't get half the candidates in to talk to us anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something like the Marion County Prosecutor. It's just Marion County, but they have jurisdiction over the state house matters.
2: Right. Yeah, so we'll see on that.
0: We have reached the point in the Leaders and Legends podcast, on the Leaders and Legends podcast, excuse me, where we ask the same five questions. Now, Nikki, you have listened to the podcast before, so you know these questions are coming. I've
2: heard them, but I did not remind myself of them. So here we go.
0: Jim, do you want to ask them? No, no,
1: these are your questions. Are you sure? Robert. I um they're right there. Ask her. Oh my goodness.
0: It's an honor. You guys to, could so, share. I'm not sure I can I'm not sure I can He's read. so this. rusty. It's not on a teleprompter, so he can't figure it out. <laughs> he had
2: to take his glasses off.
0: <laughs> All right, Nikki, what was your first job?
2: Oh, okay. So first job like so I worked for my dad. That probably doesn't count, right? Oh, it does. Okay, so my dad was a snap-on tool dealer, and I cleaned his truck and did his broken tools and stuff every week. And you hung the calendar? There was always a calendar. (laughs) Um, But as as far as, like, not within my own family, my first job was at a dry
1: cleaners. Ah, The cashier?
2: No, I actually press the clothing twice a week, and that job sucks. It is super hot. Oh, I
1: believe it. Let me tell you, this shirt i'm wearing today has got too much starch i gotta talk to somebody question number two what was your first concert
2: <laughs> um my parents took me to the kenny rogers Oak Ridge boys concert when i was in third grade and i only remember it because back then like we got our hair done for it. it was such a big deal and they put these like gold flakes in my hair but this was and one of the flakes got into my eye in the middle of the concert and cut my eye.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, it was horrible. But
0: What was the first concert you paid for your own ticket?
2: Oh, paid for my own ticket? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Gosh. Uh probably Oh, this is so terrible. New Kids on the Block.
1: <laughs> you was, admitted to it. That was Shello's uh, first concert too. <laughs> <laughs> Question number 3. If you could suggest any book for someone to read, what book would you recommend?
2: Oh, wow. My book club is going to be very interested in this. Um,
0: Where's Kate Shepard when you need her?
2: I know, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually just did finish a book, and I'm, you know, it was really great, so I'll throw this one out there. Um, I read uh, Bad Blood, which is the story of the Elizabeth Holmes Saranos, Theranos scandal, and it's done by a Wall Street Journal journalist called Carrie Rue, and it is excellent i mean talk about some amazing journalism you know that then blossomed into a full-form book but uh so that was a really great book
1: question number four if you could witness any event in history be there in person as it happens which event would you choose
2: Hmm. that's a hard one because a lot of great events in history aren't very fun right they're like depressing and I don't know that I want to see some of those. So I'm going to go with one. I'm going to go with the moon landing. I, I would like to feel what that felt like as a citizenry back then when everyone was all in together on something. Because I don't And feel everything like,
0: else was falling apart.
2: Maybe. But for that moment, they were all in on that thing. They focused on that and everyone was supportive of it. I think that would be kind of cool. Hmm. And obviously, I'm not a conspiracy theorist who doesn't think that happened.
1: <laughs> Final question. If you could have dinner with anyone living today, two hours off the record, just to chat, whom would you choose?
2: Okay, with the caveat, like off the record, but they actually have to answer the questions, right? Correct. I would say Mike Pence, because I have a lot of questions about kind of what he really felt about being vice president, what he really felt about going through Rifra and the weirdness between running for governor and then unexpectedly getting tapped as VP. I think that would be an an interesting conversation if he answered them, which he sometimes does not do.
0: And, you know, my former boss, Mike Pence, is the only living Indiana governor or lieutenant governor who has not been on the Leaders and Legends podcast.
1: Oh, Oh, my goodness. He's
0: right. I believe he lives in Carmel. You should be
1: able to find him.
0: I thought I'll reach out to him when his book comes, cross my fingers. I'm sure I won't be a high priority, but I mean, it would complete the list. We did not have one final question, which we have to ask. And Nikki became a sports celebrity as the Cincinnati Bengals marched to the Super Bowl. So, A, what did you think about that sort of extra attention you got in a fun way? And B, what are they going to do this year, this NFL season?
2: Wow. That was so exciting. I honestly, I've been a Bengal fan. My parents have had, uh, they had season tickets growing up. So I went, you know, every Sunday and my dad went to the two previous Super Bowls. He thought about going to this one. I told him no, because we lost the two previous ones. And I thought he was a bad luck charm, but as it didn't work out. Uh, No, it was super fun. It was a lot of fun on Twitter. People really caught on to the fact that I was a Bengal fan. Um, Everywhere I went, people would congratulate me. And at first I would be like, what? And they, I'm like, oh, oh, the Bengals, yeah, I got it. So I'm super excited about this season. I really hope Indiana native Jesse Bates uh, signs his franchise tender tag so that he can get on the field. That's a little unclear right now, and he's the anchor of our defense. So,
0: did you uh, were your parents at the famous coldest game in history, minus 57, against the uh, Chargers when they beat? Yes, my dad
2: tells a story that he would put, he would put, so he would always bring Jack Daniels in with his pop. And he tells the story that he put it in the thing and he went like that and it was just frozen just all together.
0: I believe it. Yeah. Final question. Did our friend and your friend, did you guys become closer? You and Mr. Cam Savage. Did you text? Did you tweet at each other? Did you share yep. each other's pain?
2: Absolutely. There were definitely a lot of texts. By the way, during that run, the playoffs, I'm telling you, the minute every game was over, I could not get off my phone for two hours because it was just bombarding with text, DMs, tweets. Um, it was super fun. Not as much fun when they lost, but it was still exciting because we didn't, you know, no one could have thought that starting the year. So,
0: And now you're going to kind of expect it with the talent they have.
2: Yeah, that's right. Joe Burrow. Born in Athens, Ohio, by the way, and his dad was a coach at my alma mater.
1: Oh, my goodness. They just get rid of those helmets.
2: Hey, don't mess with the helmet. I have earrings for that.
0: (laughs) You have been listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends, LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. Our guest has been Nikki Kelly. She is the editor-in-chief of the Indiana Capital Chronicle, which you may find at com, And that is part of the state's newsroom organization. And our co-host has been the lovely and talented... Jim Shella, Thanks, Jim. I love doing these podcasts with you. You make them so much more fun. Nikki, thank you for your time and best of luck on your new endeavor.
2: Thanks for having me and and definitely sign up for the newsletter and, and try to support us.
0: Thanks, Robert. Great fun. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com That's Robert at VeteranStrategies.com.